0: Just want to give you an interesting thought this evening. We'll be diving into some of our prayer stuff in future weeks and even uh, some other subjects uh, as we start the year getting into the in Christ. Uh, over the next couple months, we'll start getting into that really heavily, which I'm super excited about. But tonight, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 13 and a familiar parable but let's pull out a truth from this parable that I think is is vital. We don't have time to look at the whole parable and and go through all of it, but I want to pull out one thought and then kind of show you that in the Scriptures. I think it will be a blessing to us. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able. Matthew chapter 13, and I'll read verses 1 through 9. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and set, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell by the stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell unto good ground. And brought forth some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to look at this one thought this evening and hide it in our hearts so we can apply it uh, throughout our lives to be closer to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What a powerful parable. Out of all the parables Christ spoke, this is one of the most famous. Matthew chapter 13 is actually a chapter of parables. You can go through and look at some of these later. We have the parable of the sower and the soil. The parable of the tares in verses 24 through 31. The parable of the mustard seed in in verses 31 and 32. Uh, Then the tares were explained in 36 through 43. We have the treasure in a field in verse 44. The pearl of great price, verse 45 through 46, the parable of the net, and so on. So we read in verse 1, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside. So Jesus went out and sat by the sea, and boy, what a beautiful place to sit. Uh, I would love to sit by the sea. I'd love to sit by our ocean here that God gave us. The crowd began to gather and began to throng and actually push them further and further toward the water. In his wisdom, Christ went out into a boat and spoke to the people one to give him a little bit of separation but science also tells us that as he spoke his water would have ref- or his his voice would have reflected off of the water in almost a natural pa system a natural amplification so that he could speak to more people and of course he is the son of god and the son of man he understood and knew all of these things But imagine if you had a great crowd of people there. If you could gather thousands of people together and talk to them about something, what would you talk to them about? I mean, there's a lot of things that come to mind, a lot of important subjects that people need to know. If right now you had thousands of people waiting and and hanging on your every word, what would you say? And of course, here, our Lord Jesus chooses to begin with the parable of the sower. It's a simple story. A man had some seed, he went out to plant the seed, the word sow is an old English word plant, and then the seed would fall in the soil and uh, the farmer would hope that the seed would take root and grow. Uh, this isn't the type of farming we do today, what they would actually do is walk through the fields and they would have a bag of seed and pick it up and cast the seed out onto uh, the, the soil. And what we find here is three important things in this parable. We see, number one, the sower, and, of course, primarily the Son of God. We see, number two, the seed. The Bible tells us later that the seed is the Word. The seed is the Word of God. And then we see, number three, the soil. The soil. Jesus spent an awful lot of time telling us about the different kinds of soil In this story, why is that? Because you can have the sower and you can have the seed. But they only work on the right kind of soil. And the soil is the condition of man's heart. We see four types of soil here. The hard soil, the stony soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. Let me just make a couple statements here. First, there's only one seed. There's only one kind of seed, and that's the Word of God. And I'm glad we have the Word of God. Uh, Our church is not a member of the Bible of the Month Club. You know, we're not looking for a better version. We're not looking for a newer version. We believe in the old King James Bible. There's a lot of reasons for that. The, the publishing companies and the modernists try to paint us as just traditionalists who for no good reason pick this book. Folks, there's an awful, awful lot of good reasons, historical, archaeological, grammatical, theological, all of those reasons. There's a lot of good reasons to trust the old King James Bible. I'm always interested in the fact that when people dislike the King James Bible, they choose a different version. Often, first, it doesn't matter what version you choose, just pick one. That's what most of them think. And then number two, pick anyone but the King James. Uh, and that just that's odd to me. Why would you why would you disparage this one and then think all of the others are acceptable? Of course, some of the others are closer uh, than than others. But folks, why not just go to the clear stream? Why not just go to the, the pure seed? Every major revival in English-speaking languages has happened with this Bible. No great vi- revival happened with the New NIV, the RSV, the ASV, the, e- the ESV, the HCSB, and all the other new ones. Folks, just stick with the one that works. This book's proven. And if you just learn a couple dictionary <laughs> words, you know, like my mom used to say, Pick it, look it up in the dictionary. What does the word so mean? Look it up. It means plant. That was hard, wasn't it? As though we we make it sound more difficult. No, the truth is, this this Bible's not copyrighted. All the other ones are. There's a huge money play. In order to get a copyright, all the Bible versions have to be at least 30% different from one another. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. That math doesn't work. Well, we'll stick with the old King James. So we see the sower, we see there's only one seed. We see next there are four types of soil. I mentioned that, the hard, the stony, the thorny, the good. Next, we see the seed is directed by the soil. Now, we know the seed's good, but the seed can only work if the soil lets it. Boy, think about that. The seed can only work if the soil lets receives the seed. And boy, we know that's true. The only time this Bible doesn't work is when people reject it. Jesus said that there's something that can make this Bible of none effect, and that is the tradition of man. People say, no, I'll rather have my tradition. I'll rather have my, my mythology. I'll rather have whatever I think. I'm going to reject the Bible. And when you reject the Bible with a hard, stony heart, the Bible Doesn't have that impact in you. It doesn't bring forth seed. And let me say, last by way of introduction, we are responsible for the condition of our soil. I am responsible for the condition of my soil. You are responsible for the condition. Of your soil. And this is the simple message that we take from this evening. Your heart is your responsibility. Your heart is your responsibility. The seed can only work if the soil receives the seed. And I am responsible for the condition of my heart. What does this mean? That means sometimes my heart can be hard. Sometimes my heart can be stony. Sometimes my heart can be thorny. And then sometimes my heart's good. But the condition of my heart is up to me. And let me say all of us, just because you have a hard heart today or you had a hard heart once doesn't mean you always do. And just because you have a good heart today doesn't mean you always will. So this, is, this fluctuates. But the, the condition of my heart is my responsibility. My prayer, when I read through this in, in study, my prayer when I got down to verse 8 was, Lord, I want to be a hundredfold Christian. I want to have a heart so soft and so tender that it receives the word and and I can bring forth a hundredfold. The Bible says here, some bring forth a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. It all has to do with the richness of the soil. You can plant soybeans in decent soil and it'll bring forth thirtyfold. You can plant it in better soil, it'll bring forth sixty. But you can plant it in rich soil nutrient-rich, deep, dark soil, and it'll bring forth 100. You might get so many bushels an acre over here, but you're going to get a lot more bushels an acre over here. And see, I think sometimes we, we console ourselves with the fact that, well, I've, I've, got a, I've got a good heart. My heart's okay. So we might bring forth 30-fold. Sometimes we might even bring forth 60-fold. But our goal should be to have such rich soil that God can bring forth 100-fold out of our lives. So my heart is my responsibility. And the condition of your heart is your responsibility. Let me say just a few things, and then we'll go to our prayer time. Number one, we must soften a hard heart. We must soften a hard heart. The Bible says here in verse 4, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, And the fowls came down and devoured them up. So let me have you make a little picture in your mind of what this looks like. If you go out to a field in Rhode Island or a field in the Midwest, there will be hundreds of acres of just beautifully plowed furrows and huge tractors and combines that do the work. That's not the way this was. This is before machinery. So what they would do is have a beautiful field, but there would actually be well-worn pathways through the field. And just like whenever uh, my parents growing up had a rather large garden out in the backyard. And boy, I remember picking beans by the hour and all kinds of stuff. And But, but what you learn really quickly is don't step on the plants. Right? So you've got rows of beans, you've got rows of tomatoes, and when you're walking out there, you're, you're like... When they're small enough, you can kind of straddle them. And then when they get bigger, you're walking in that furrow to where you're not stepping on any plants. And in this day and age, they would actually have well-worn paths through the fields to where they always walked in the same places to make sure that they weren't stomping on the plants. These were the wayside. These were the ways through the field. And so you can imagine the sower walking on the same a sidewalk, if you will, dirt, dirt path uh, that they had always walked on, that ground, that soil gets very compacted. It gets, it gets stomped down. There's no room for moisture. There's no room for air to get down in there. It's, it's just hard as a, a rock. And some of you have seen that hard soil. It just gets packed down. And man, it's tough to break through. So they would walk through. And as they're walking on this wayside they would be casting out the seed some seed would fall on the walkway the problem was that ground was so hard that it would just sit there there was no way for it to penetrate the surface and what happened is the birds in the area knew when the sower was out there that they were going to get a good meal Just like some of you have birds or have bird feeders. Boy, those birds know when you come out with that bag of feed or when you're filling that bird feeder, they're there, aren't they? They're on time for dinner. And when they see the sower out there, boy, they all come for a good meal. And before that that seed has any chance to to catch and grow, it's stolen away. This is the hard heart. The Bible also says here about the stony places, the stony places. Places. Boy, some places would be stony, much like around here. Imagine if you just had a big boulder in the ground, you couldn't move it, you'd just have to leave it. And some of the fields around here, they used to just, and even houses. I mean, I've been in people's yards where they have a boulder under the ground almost as big as the house. That and they said, Well, we're we're gonna build the house here, but this boulder is like bigger than the house under the ground, so we just had to move the house over here. Some things are just too big to move, so it becomes a stony place. Perhaps as they were going through and, and cleaning that ground like we would do around here, the ground around here just kind of spits up these rocks. They would take all the rocks and either build fence rows or put them in a pile. These would be the stony places, and as the, as the sower would go forth to sow, some of those seeds would get in the stony places, hard places. And sometimes, if we're not careful, our heart can get hard, can't it? Jesus warned us about a hard heart. Look at Matthew chapter 6, excuse me, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 and verse 52. He says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was what? Hardened. Hardened. Now, wait a minute. These are people who are with Jesus. It's not that they were with Jesus some time ago. I mean, they were with Jesus now. They'd been following Jesus for some time. Do you know it's possible for you to be in church and your heart get hard? It's possible for you to pray every day and read your Bible every day and Spend time with Jesus and be around good Christian people and your heart get hard. It's possible for you to grow up in a good home and your heart get hard. Be a preacher's kid or a deacon's kid or a missionary's kid and your heart get hard. It's possible for you to be married to a good Christian and your heart get hard. See, the hard heart's something we always have to be on the lookout for because the human heart has the tendency to get stiff and calloused And hard. And these are people with Jesus. They had just seen a mighty miracle and they'd already forgotten about it. Why? Because their heart was hard. Boy, I fear sometimes we see good things and our heart gets hard, we forget them. How many times have I seen people over the years get away from the Lord? And they forget all the good stuff. They forget everything good you've ever done for them. They forget everything good our church has ever done. They forgive every, all the investment of people in their lives. They forget the miracles they saw because their heart gets hard. Same thing happens to you and me. Boy, if you're not careful, we will live in the same house we were thanking God for a year ago, and now we're complaining. Driving the same car six months earlier, we were thanking God. Now we're complaining. Wearing the same clothes, working the same job. And now all of a sudden, what used to please us and be good enough, it isn't anymore because we have forgotten the goodness of God. Well, if we're not careful, the heart gets hard. What happens when we realize we're getting a hard heart? We've got to soften it. In Mark chapter 8, verse 17, go ahead and look at it. Mark chapter 8, verse 17, the Lord again tells them about. A hardened heart. Again, these are his disciples. These are the core of the church. These are the preachers. It's possible for preachers to get a hard heart and missionaries to get a hard heart and evangelists and church planners and Sunday school teachers and deacons and ushers and children's church workers and bus workers. Anybody can get a hard heart. In Mark chapter 8, verse 17, the Bible says, "...and when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye? Because ye have no bread." Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? He said, guys, are we here again? <laughs> we just talked about this. Did you harden your heart again? Yeah, sometimes. And Sometimes it's that process of we have to be aware of the condition of our heart because my heart's my responsibility. I have to be aware of it. And I have to know when it's starting to get hard. And then what happens when our heart starts to get hard? Look at Jeremiah chapter 4. We're talking about this idea that my heart is my responsibility. Jeremiah chapter 4. Here God is warning Israel that he's going to punish them. And he'd warned them over and over and over but they wouldn't listen. Look at Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Now what is fallow ground? It's a word that's used for different things. Primarily it means unsowed, not teal, tilled. Oftentimes they would only plant a field for six years and then they would have to let it rest the seventh year and they would have to kind of rotate their fields God told them to do that one because it was a type of Sabbath second because it's good for the ground but they would have to let a field rest for a year it had not been plowed it had not been attended to it had been neglected that was a fallow field it was fallow ground and One of the words for fallow is neglected. Boy, folks, if we neglect our heart, you know what happens? It gets hard. It starts growing thorns. It gets stony. That's why we have to realize that our heart's our responsibility, and we have to pay attention. We have to till it. We have to get those rocks out of there. We have to make sure it is soft and tender and ready for the seed of God. But here the Bible says, okay, you've got fallow ground. What do you do? Break it up.